Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus prayed for his disciples, saying, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world, so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, In the name of a resurrected and ascended Jesus. Amen. Amen. We humans are a messy lot. For the most part, I think we try pretty hard to get things right, to do what we think we should, to follow our conscience, to take care of ourselves and one another so that we can go on functioning in the, in the world as best we can. But things don't often go as smoothly as we want them to. We fall short. We forget to show up. We get sick. We miscommunicate. We get in over our heads. And in many other ways, we come face to face with our inevitable imperfections and flaws. A few dozen times this week alone, I had an opportunity to say, well, there is another example of my human imperfection. I drove over a crosswalk that had a pedestrian in it more than once. I neglected to follow up on far too many email communications. Are my kids here? I snuck more than a few pieces of construction paper treasure into the recycle bin when no one was looking. I think they're safely in the nursery. I hope the microphone isn't on down there. I lectured my daughter about something I thought she said, only to realize that I had misunderstood her. 
And when my neighbor yelled at my son for picking her flowers, I yelled at my son along with her, embarrassed at what he had done. And then I saw his face and realized how terrifying it is for a three-year-old to be yelled at by two grown-ups at the same time. I neglected to visit at least three people that I meant to connect with this week, and I forgot to give information to Susan about next week's service that she needed for the bulletin. And those are just the confessions that are benign enough for me to share from the pulpit. (laughs) The other day, some friends and I were trying, we were talking about how we try to be at peace with all the mistakes that we make in our personal lives and at work. And we concluded that it would be a lot easier to be at peace with our mistakes if there were no casualties, if we didn't end up hurting or disappointing people along the way. And yet we do. We hurt one another. We misunderstand one another, and we let one another down all the time. We always have. I think we always will. Especially, I would venture to guess, in faith communities, when we are vulnerable and reaching for heaven, even though we know we cannot fully attain it yet. The church has been a bit of a mess from day one, actually. Throughout the ages, we as an organized religion have waged wars, judged and condemned, abused power, neglected the central message of love and the gospel, fumbled through the building of ministries and communities, ostracized millions of beloved children of God, and broken every commandment repeatedly. And yet, many of us, with full hearts and great intentions, genuinely and faithfully love the church and have found it to be the vehicle through which our relationships with God and one another have meaning. I have always found this to be rather a conundrum. And yet our readings between Easter and Pentecost help me to see that this is not a new conundrum. These readings highlight the process that the followers of Jesus went through when they met and decided to follow Jesus, when they abandoned him at the cross, grieved his death, celebrated his resurrection, witnessed his ascension, and started his church. Throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples fighting with one another, misunderstanding and misrepresenting Jesus, and running away in fear. They argue about who among them is the most important, and they argue about who should be allowed in and who should not be allowed in to God's love. Now, you would think that Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension would have changed some things, And I believe that it did, but it is clear to me that the imperfections of our human nature remained fully intact. In the reading from Acts today, we read about what happened just after the resurrected Jesus ascended to heaven. The disciples responded by organizing themselves to begin the work that Jesus commissioned them to do. With good intentions and a voice of authority, Peter stood up in a crowd of 120 followers and announced that they needed to replace Judas, the disciple who had handed Jesus over to be crucified. So two perfectly good followers who had known Jesus throughout his ministry were brought forth to be considered as apostles. 
But Peter was pretty sure there were only supposed to be 12 apostles altogether, and they already had 11. So they tossed a dice and chose just one. Imagine our lives if our vocations were chosen by the toss of a dice. Now, this seems to me to either be a bit legalistic or it was a choice based on a theology of scarcity. And what followed was 2,000 years of people being in awe of Jesus Christ, of his life, his teachings, his passionate death, his amazing resurrection, his mysterious ascension, his inexplicable presence with us, and his deep love. And 2,000 years of the same people responding with imperfect human attempts to love him back, which sometimes involves fear, a theology of scarcity, legalism, and other human tendencies that are a bit removed from Jesus' teachings. We organize ourselves because Jesus taught us to be in community and to see him in the face of one another. But being in community is not easy, and our communities are built with just as much human messiness as they are built with divine love. And this human messiness, it runs the gamut from humorous missteps to horrendous betrayals against God and creation. We are apt to put our own needs first. We are often ignorant of our privilege and we neglect the oppressed. Sometimes we completely miss the boat on kindness. We forget to live into our baptismal promises, neglecting our relationship with God and neglecting our promise to work for peace and justice and disrespecting the dignity of other human beings. We decide that some lives are worth more than others, and then bombs get made in place where they will do horrific damage. Genocides and ethnic wars and holocausts happen. Death sentences get handed down. Revenge gets mistaken for justice. We have tossed the dice and imagined God telling us that lots have been cast for the preservation of some and the rejection of others. We have participated in this destructive myth, this myth about the scarcity of God's love toward those of us who are harder to love. This myth about God's rolling the dice to divvy up a limited commodity of grace. We have participated in this myth in ways that we do not even know or understand. In ways that are so subtle that we can easily choose to not see them at all. We are deeply flawed. When I read the prayer that Jesus prayed to God for his disciples and for us, the prayer that we heard read in the Gospel of John today, I see that Jesus knew the mess that we were, and he knew the messiness that we'd continue to be, and he loved us anyway. He loved us so much that he prayed this long, sort of jumbled, hard-to-follow, impassioned prayer. Please, God, they need you. Give them the intimacy and guidance that you have given me. Love them as you have loved me. Make them one with you as you have made me one with you. They are worthy, God. They really are. But they cannot do this without you.
Sometimes it feels to me like Jesus' sojourn here with us was basically a needs assessment assignment. He came and engaged deeply with us and got to know us pretty well, only to discover that our beauty proved that we were made by the hand of a loving God. And our imperfection proved that we needed God to hold our hands through each step of this human life. In next week's gospel reading, we will hear a bit of what Jesus said to his disciples right before he prayed the prayer that we heard in today's gospel. In it, he told his friends that he could not stay with them, but he would not leave them alone. He knew they shouldn't be left alone. He promised to send an advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. The Holy Spirit would guide them and reveal the truth to them in doses that they could handle. And the Holy Spirit would help them to live and breathe and navigate this messy life accompanied. And by the Holy Spirit, they would start a church, a sacred and imperfect endeavor. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we, I do believe, continue that church. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is still with us every step of the way as our companion and advocate as we continue to build. It's just as messy and human as ever, this church. But in it, we are fueled by the Spirit. In it, we continue to know Jesus. In it, we get closer to the kingdom of God as we can, as close as we can in our limited human state. In it, we seek healing from wounds inflicted by our own imperfections and those of others. In it, we bring our uncertainty, our confusions, and our heartache, and we find ourselves in good company. And in it, we are called to be our best selves, not perfect, never perfect, just striving to fulfill Jesus' commandment to love God and love one another and to, uh, to allow our lives to be sanctified, made holy by the truth of God's love for each and every one of us. Amen.